Kate, thank you so much for becoming a subscriber to our Patreon. This is a special Patreon-only edition of Reply Guys. We really enjoy it, and thank you again for subscribing. Welcome back to Reply Guys. We're so excited this week. We're here with Shauna Potter from the band War on Women. Welcome to Reply Guys, Shauna. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We're so excited that you came on the show. Tell, tell us a little about your band. Um... There's a lot of yelling. It's loud. It's fast sometimes and slow other times. Um, I don't know. It's just a political feminist punk band. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's so cool. How did you guys find each other? Uh, well, most of us are live in Baltimore and have lived in Baltimore for a long time. And so there's a, there's a lot of amazing uh, music here, a lot of creativity, a lot of art in general. It's a really... Um, wonderful city to live in uh for that for that reason and so there's a lot of cool people that play music and it's just um we we actually you know what's funny actually is that we did struggle right at first to find band members because we would have to say okay well here's three songs about street harassment here's a song about abortion rights and so are you into that and we actually had a couple people say no (laughs) i do not want to be in this band uh, luckily, I mean, we started the van about 10 years ago, and so times have changed since then even. But, um, but so that was kind of fun to really just straight up be turned down <laughs> by some That's great really players. <laughs> One thing, Baltimore. Oh, go ahead, Julia. Oh, Baltimore is such a radical city, and I feel like a lot of people don't think of it that way. I went to college there, oh, and... Yeah. Um, I love it so like I just have so much love for Baltimore and I just feel like people kind of don't understand a lot of the times like the history of this they mm. like the history of the city and and how fucked up it is <laughs> yeah it's like it's like all of uh, it, it's almost like all of America's uh social issues come to bear in Baltimore in different ways absolutely um but it's it's also just like it's a place i miss a lot um i yeah i mean people will like people are so nice there too uh this is like very stupid and i'm sorry for for this tangent <laughs> but i remember i uh, i was going back to one of my alumni events and my uh my taxi driver like lost his way and I just was like let me out here like I don't I'll figure out how to get there and then I asked for directions in this bar and this guy was like oh I'm going that way I can give you a ride and at first I was like I'm just like so deeply skeptical of everybody as you should be yeah I mean as, as women is. should be and of men in general as, yeah. as women should be <laughs> but it was like this older it was like this older man and he looked kind of small and I'm very tall and I was like I could probably take him <laughs> right. if things if things went down that way and he really did just like give me a ride talk to me about his wife and children he had just retired from the McCormick factory and he gave me a little 
tin of Old Bay. Stop it. He had Old Bay in his car. He That's had Old so Bay Baltimore. in his car. That's oh so my funny. It's incredible. And I was like, this is the greatest city in America. It's true. It's on the it's on the benches around yeah, the city. It's, yeah, no, it's true. Greatest city in That's America. That's so funny. No, I really love it. I, I've moved around a lot uh, growing up and I and I was I feel like I was raised in the South though. Um, and I love how this is a small big city it feels mm-hmm. very east coast but it's not so in i can get anywhere i need to go in a half an hour which is great and people are nice but in a real way not a passive aggressive southern way yeah and um but 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 it's totally true that this there's a lot of corruption um in the government and in uh the police department and um you know there is a reason why some places do have so much creativity and life and art and that's it's born of struggle sometimes and so it's uh you kind of have to mention that that this city is super unfair to people of color um Mm -hmm. because other like people are struggling and sometimes art is the only outlet you know um so i don't know i I like to just not forget that like there's a reason we're so creative and we do so much with so little is because we fucking have to you know Mm -hmm. not saying we i'm not a person of color for anyone listening but um we as a city you know it's just there's the rich people are super rich the poor people are super poor um and it's a city that struggles for sure yeah and it's very it is very you know obviously it's very unfair to to black people in particular um and baltimore is a majority black city i think it's it's like i don't 60- know if that makes it worse like is that more sad when it's like <laughs> yeah i think i think i think there is something about it's, that that makes it's, it it's hard to wrap your head around you know yeah. like the 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 oppression uh against a majority of people <laughs> that live here i mean i certainly remember like being a fucking idiot 18 year old getting in like getting lost in in baltimore and the police and like looking to the police as like oh this person could help me like maybe maybe he could like help me find my way back or something and that is just like what an what a bonkers amount of privilege that is to see a police officer and be like this person is here to help me yeah um because yeah the majority of baltimore does not live that way i i want to there's a question i want to ask you which is kind of it's kind of strange but when you said that you were in a feminist band uh it made me really want to ask you like what what does that mean to you like what does it mean for music to be feminist or not what topics fall into that, I mean, because to me, it's just such a big word that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Yeah, well, I think that there's a lot of artists or or even just songs that could be feminist, right? Um, And not every artist or musician is going to put that qualifier in front of of them. But we do because um, when Uh, Brooks Harlan is uh, one of the guitar players in the band. Uh, When Brooks and I talked about starting the band, um, we did so intentionally. Like we both played music our whole lives. We were already in another band together that was kind of fizzling out. And we wanted to do something that was heavier 
than our last band and we wanted to do something that was overtly feminist. And so it is a part of our mission statement to talk about the oppression of women and trans and gender nonconforming folks. And, and, and so for me as the one that writes the lyrics, right? Um, and is the kind of the face of the band, um, the super pale white face, <laughs> able-bodied face. Um, it is a constant exercise for me to, to keep educating myself right um to 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 do feminism as a verb um to be a good ally to others to recognize that my struggles are not the only ones that exist um and and kind of um make sure i don't talk over or for anyone else um but yet somehow um take all these issues that uh any issue really you can look at with a feminist lens right like every any pet issue that anyone cares about there's going to be an angle on it about how it affects women differently or something right and so uh my my goal is to be the best ally i can uh keep in touch with what's going on in like activism and then filter that and try to win over <laughs> audiences that might not have any fucking idea what I'm talking about or what these issues are, right? Or have not heard something from a feminist point of view. Uh, so it's a delicate balance for sure. But for me, it's important to just talk about things through a feminist lens and recognize that everything has a feminist angle and that everyone is in a different place right? And a different journey of learning. And so um, whatever I have to say, someone in the audience is either going to be validated by it, or they're going to learn something, uh, you know, or they'll hate it and leave. And that's fine, too. Right. But um, I just want to present this stuff that I'm fucking pissed about. <laughs> yeah, I w you know, I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about feminism a lot, like recently, because, you know, I think I've kind of always like, considered myself to be a feminist comedian which was like super uncool when I started comedy <laughs> right. and then there was like a while where it seemed like feminism was like very popular like it was like almost a trend and then there's a way that it kind of I don't know I think you know became sort of I, I've really seen it like weaponized in a lot of ways that oh, have yeah. made me feel very uncomfortable especially in the past year you know um i mean of course like not you know not all feminism is equal right like i think what i'm talking about is, is like mostly kind of like neoliberal white feminism you know but i don't know it's uh i guess that's why i wanted to ask that question because i guess like for you for yourself in terms of like the things that you want to talk about like what is sort of your like, how do you sort of analyze like how feminism ties into the other issues that you care about? Well, I think that it's interesting because like while we ha kind of have this mission statement of, you know, presenting feminist issues to larger audiences, uh, we're also just a band. Yeah. Right? Like, like I can't, I can't write about something that I have no interest in yeah. or that bores me or that I don't know anything about. Right. Like I still, it, and also like you can't always control 
how your whatever your creative medium is, um, you can't always control how things come out. You kind of just have to let it flow mm -hmm. sometimes, especially when you I've been doing it a long time. Yeah. And th there is a little bit of a magic to it of just, you know, you've done all the discipline you've done, you know, you learn the rules so that you can then forget them and like let shit happen. Right. And so I can write about you know, it can just be like, I don't know, for instance, like one particular news story has a specific word that makes me mad. And I'm like, why'd they use this word when they should have used this word? And like, and I can write a whole song about that. You know, I can, my, my, my goal, I think consciously or not is to think about an issue from an angle that interests me. Yeah. And so maybe that's an angle that people aren't talking about enough, in my opinion. Maybe it's, you know, uh, the only way that people talk about it, but yet we still have to fucking talk about it. So, yeah. like, you know, but like, uh, so like, for instance, our song Say It is about rape culture and it's a message of support to victims and survivors of sexual assault and rape. And the chorus is, say it, say it, I was raped. And I just thought that that was an, a new, like an interesting way to sort of not just say, hey, believe survivors and, you know, listen to survivors and, and you're not alone. And, you know, instead of like saying that, which sounds like, um, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We believe you. Okay, fine. That's great. Um, I wanted to say, fuck that just say it, whether they're listening or not, whether they believe you or not, like, just say it out loud. Like, let's normalize that idea um, that we're not gonna wait for someone to invite us to speak. And, you know, it's, again, it's one angle, it's it's very nuanced, it's not everyone's experience, but it was like one way, it just, it just hooked me. Um, and, and I was able to get a whole song out just thinking about that idea of like, fuck that, just say it, just say it happened. You know, yeah. don't wait for permission or someone to feel understanding, make them uncomfortable, fucking scream it, you know? Well, yeah, and isn't that like the ethos of punk music in the first place? <laughs> I'd is... like to think so, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it, it going to one of our shows, it's not always comfortable. Right. And it can be uncomfortable either because we're talking about heavy stuff and maybe that weighs down on you because uh, you've experienced it. Um, but maybe it's uncomfortable because we're challenging your ideas of like how women and trans and gender nonconforming folks should be or what we should be, how we should feel about things um, or that you're seeing a woman scream at you and you probably don't get to see a woman be righteously angry a lot. Right. Um, and, but I hope that for people that actually go through the things that I sing about, that it's more of a cathartic experience for them in a validating experience and yeah. everyone else can feel uncomfortable. <laughs> that makes sense. That's, that's, that is very cool. Um, I really hope I get to go to one of your shows. Uh, and speaking of that, like well, me too, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I guess like speaking of I that, hope like I get to play one again. Yeah. Have you, have you speculated about the future of, you know, when it might be safe to go see live music? What are your kind of thoughts on our current situation? I, I think for me personally, it's a losing game to speculate. I don't, I, I think it's a bad idea for me to get my hopes up or have any preconceived notions of what is going to have to happen for me to even feel safe being in public. And so I think by not 
not assuming any particular end date, it's a little easier for me to just get through the day to day, right? Which is yeah. important for all of us right now. Um, we do have, uh, we, we had just, you know, we had things booked all year, right? Like we, we actually would have already come home from a tour, um, but it got canceled and, and it's already passed at this point. Um, we had other things coming up. They keep getting canceled. We were going overseas. It got canceled. We were going to go to Mexico for the first time. It got canceled. Um, right now we are still booked for a festival in Florida for October 31st. They have told everyone, look, we, we know it might be canceled. Everyone's ticket will be refunded. If it doesn't happen, we're going to wait to decide until the end of September. And so everyone, all the bands, all the people that have tickets, I think we're all just like, okay, let's see. Maybe, maybe it happens. Like it might be the smartest thing in the world because if it actually is safe, then everyone's gonna go buck wild, right? It'll be the yeah. first time they're leaving the house. Maybe it's smart, but the fact that they're really vocal and aware that the whole thing might get canceled and that's fine, but let's try. That's the only reason that we said yes to it but we have no idea. We have no idea. Uh, it's, it's honestly, it's weird for me to think it's May and I haven't played a show in over six months. And the last few years we've been on the road a lot. So it's very strange, very, very strange for us. Do you want to talk a little bit about your activism? Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, uh, I think I think really the important thing to know about me is that I'm is that I don't like street harassment. Uh, I, I founded really, the why? I mean, who does? First of all, <laughs> start with the basics. What do you not like about it? Right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Um, you know, as someone who is very privileged, when I you know when I was younger and growing up and experiencing street harassment, it really kind of served as the most common way for me to be reminded that I was less than yeah. in society. And now, again, super privileged point of view, other people have it worse, et cetera. But like speaking for myself, uh, I could sometimes kind of forget that I was a woman, right? I could sometimes just know, oh, I'm just me living my life. And then I'd get all these reminders from strange men in the street and public spaces and bars, whatever, um, that just reminded me that it, it was almost like, it is almost like, uh, they're, they're trying to tell me that the only reason that they're not attacking me is because they don't feel like it right now. Mm. That's the only thing preventing me from being um, attacked or hurt in some way by this person, by the stranger, is that they're letting me go. Yeah, it's like they're not only uh, misogynistic, they are also lazy, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Insult to injury. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Really, it's really tough for the, you know, the the misogynist yet lazy among us. Yeah, right? Uh, really, it's hard out real. there. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, I think it's it's interesting because this is actually the first time I've talked about street harassment in a while, and I think street harassment is one of those things that the discourse on it was such that I feel like the pendulum has almost swung on it in 
which now like people like roll their eyes when you start talking about street harassment like ugh we have you know we have bigger fish to fry and it's like yeah tech yeah of course we do but i think that like it's something that like i'm almost like embarrassed to talk about now when it, when it happens to me even even if it's like like the street harassment i've experienced in new york is worse than anywhere i've ever lived Bar just none. for just for um, anyone listening that's usually because the more people you have square mile the more likely you're ha- you are to have street harassment it's like a i mean it's yeah. a person per square mile kind of thing it's a numbers yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a numbers yeah, game. yeah. Not, not new york specific but yeah i uh but like but i feel i do feel like almost embarrassed talking about it because it it seems like i i just think that the the discourse around it when it had that that moment around the same time as like man spreading or whatever <laughs> it like centered a few like I, I feel like because it sent it the loudest people about it were like a few tumblr white ladies or something then everyone just kind of now feels comfortable roundly dismissing it and it it like obviously goes without saying there are larger problems in the world but like i i'm sure like a lot of women like and gender non-conforming folks and um yeah yeah lgbtq communities yeah sure i've been like followed home multiple blocks um i've had yeah people follow me for a long time until i basically like took a different route so that i wasn't going home i like went right way out of the way because i was being like and it is scary and it's hard to like it's hard to I, I don't know I feel like very apologetic even talking about it because it feels like this issue that like it, I don't that's know that's wild I'm feels, so sorry that you yeah. feel that way because here's how I look at it um when I when I founded the Baltimore chapter of Hollaback it was in late 2010 we launched in 2011 this is before any kind of public discourse, right? That may that that where people were like, "Oh, I guess street harassment harassment is bad." This is my my friends were like, "Why are you doing this? Who cares yeah. about this?" Right? And I would try to explain to them how it feels and and the negative repercussions and all that, and they were just like, "What is the deal?" Right? So back then, people in activism world in Baltimore even like people in other organizations were like why why do this instead of intimate partner violence or whatever and i i always come back to one everyone has their pet issue right like you just you can't help it like it's just the thing that you care the most about and that's fine we all got to care about something and and let's all support each other in what we care about um because it all it all matters um but also, I look at it like kind of towards one end of the gender-based violence spectrum, right? So the 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 end the the, the end that I'm talking about is actually no violence or harassment at all, right? Wait, wh- and then you move in a little bit, and we get your kind of common basic street harassment. But I just think that when people are okay with strangers following you, yelling things at you, intimidating you, staring at you, making you uncomfortable, asserting their power over you. If everyone's okay with that, what is to stop them from trying something more intense, more violent, Mm -hmm. 
right? If there's no consequences at all for this behavior, if no one is saying, dude, leave her alone or whatever, simple stuff like that, the behavior can continue. So I think uh, street harassment is a way for some folks to test the water, to see what can they get away with in this society. Um, and they need a, a, a check. They need other people. They need society to say, nah, don't do that. Stop following people. That's weird, you know? And so I think it matters. It's, it's on the spectrum of violence. And I think if people learn earlier to respect the boundaries and autonomy of strangers, it's easier to enforce that, you know, with their loved ones and friends and family and stuff. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I haven't really had any problems with street harassment in the past couple of months. Uh, that's the yeah, good we're news. Yeah, we're going to say six the, to eight weeks. Yeah, Yeah. the bad news is I really have not been outside. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, uh, what I mean. You know, it's hard for us as, as live performers to, uh, like, kind of readjust to this new normal. And I can only imagine the struggle that street harassers must be having. Uh, those, those poor harassers. Yeah. yeah. They gonna, just want to yell know, at you for a minute. We're going to we're going to pour one out for all the all the street <laughs> harassers who can't who can't get out there tonight. Yeah. Um, Rough stuff. Yeah. We we see you and we hear you and well, you to, know, we're thinking to, about to you. bring it down a notch. Um, uh, street harassment is still happening. Right. Um, yeah, there's been an uptick in harassment against uh, folks that are Asian, uh, yes. Asian American, that, or yes. even are perceived as Asian. Yeah. Um, it's still going on. And because people are getting that cabin fever and they have the stress of worrying about money um, in a way that maybe they weren't before. Uh, or are they going to have a job and what's going on? And am I going to die from this virus? Um, tensions are high out there and because we're limiting our interactions they almost everything about them gets amplified right so sometimes we're like we want to talk to this person behind the counter even more than we normally would uh but maybe we're more quicker to anger and we're taking it out on others and so i think that it's still possible to experience harassment or just witness harassment as a bystander and so i just want to i just want to you know, move people to observe what's going on around them when they are in public spaces. And if you see someone that looks uncomfortable, if someone's being mistreated, to just in the very least check in with them, just say, hey, are you good? Is this person bothering you? Do you need anything? Just something like that to let them know that someone else saw it and that you have their back. Mm -hmm. That's like the most basic form of bystander intervention is just to check in. So just be aware that there are people struggling. We don't know. We don't know everything that's going on on top of the stuff that we do globally. Um, so, so I'm saying this out loud for anyone listening, but also for myself to just remember to be kind when I leave my apartment. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I definitely think like you know it is. It is just like a, I, I've been thinking a lot, and this, I, this isn't exactly what you were talking about, but just like about. You know how many people are just sort of trapped in in unsafe situations right now yeah. uh, i know that's not street harassment necessarily but but it's connected <laughs> yeah and i was just seeing like you know there was like there was a while when i was like hearing about um just all this 
kind of uptick in domestic violence. And then I thought, you know, can I give someone a place to stay for a while? But then I was like, well, then that has an impact on the people who are living with me, who are trying to social distance. And, you know, it just feels like it feels like we are in this time where we can't assist people um, in all the ways that we would normally want to, you know, both because a lot of people's like financial resources are really constrained and also because it's not really safe for us to be physically near each other a lot of the time right now, you know? So I was wondering um, if you thought of ways that people can um, really help you know like look out or assist like you know women lgbt non-binary people in their lives um during this crisis yeah i mean i've not only thought about it i've experienced it myself oh wow. i live i live in an apartment complex and uh it's it's you know kind of small and a few buildings close together and i feel like it's been a like a, not a party i just feel like there's something every day <laughs> someone is yelling at someone something's going on um so i literally right now have my eye on three situations and one is a guy that i think is being really rough with a, his dog oh no in a way that i don't think is cool um there is a woman that called the cops on her partner and got him escorted away and i so i don't know what is he kind of come back is, is is this like to teach him a lesson and then he comes back and she's cool with that is he gonna show up and be angry and you know like what's going on there and then there's also um this idiot <laughs> this this dumb white dude that was like like yelling at this this guy a person of color um about socially distancing and he was up near his porch like less than six feet away talking to him about being responsible (laughs) in the age of this pandemic like like just being a jerk just being a total jerk and um talking to him in a way that he wouldn't talk to another white guy like it was very clear and i'm witnessing all all of these situations and i'm like what do i do like I don't feel comfortable um, con- uh, being direct, which is one of the five Ds. I don't feel comfortable being direct with any of these folks right now because I'm in my apartment all day, every day. They could immediately find me. My physical safety could be at risk, not just because of this virus, which is certainly something to worry about, but just the fact that I am a small woman that could be, you know, overtaken physically if they really felt like it. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't like people knowing where I am at all, all hours of the day. Uh, and since I can't go anywhere else, I don't want them to come, come, uh, uh, get mad at me, attack me. And so I don't want to be direct. Um, I also can't go check in with everyone because I don't want to knock on their door and have them have to open the door and be closer than six feet. They also don't know me uh, like that. They don't know what kind of support I might give them or not. Um, and and so the things that I've been able to do is usually something that I reserve for a last resort, which is document. Uh, docu- when you document an incident, it's super helpful in the future um, to have a record of what's going on so you can show patterns to people that need to see those patterns or, or give it to the victim so they can, you know, just have it in their back pocket if they need to use it, right? Um, But it doesn't help a victim in the moment. 
Yeah. And so it's normally reserved for last or if someone else is already doing one of the other five Ds. Um, but I've been doing a lot of documenting all these in instances um, just so that when I do feel ready to maybe do something else, I can. So when you document an incident, you want to write down the day, the time, who was there, what was said, who heard it, how'd you feel, you know, whether that's for you or you're witnessing an incident um, and writing it down is a way to sort of feel like you're being productive, like you're still doing something when it sort of feels like you're helpless and you can't do anything. What are so, the other Ds, by the way? Sure. So being direct, maybe not the best right now, unless you can do it from a safe distance. Um, you also can delegate. So after I documented uh, the stuff that went on with my neighbor that I thought was pretty egregious, I went ahead and delegated and told my car apartment complex hey, you need to watch out for this guy. I think he's going to complain about this man of color that was literally just smoking a cigarette on his porch and trying to be left alone. Um, so if this white dude says something weird, I can verify that it's not true. So they said, okay, we, we like it, it's now in their records and they're aware of it in case there's a pattern or something else comes up. Um, so that's delegating. Um, you can also distract and again that's a little hard to do that really just means like uh, taking someone's attention away so whether it's the harasser or a victim you're just saying hi look at me look at me for a second like hi what time is it oh i like your shirt and hey what do you get how long you guys lived here oh that's cool you know just something to interrupt the moment so that the person being affected can get away or the person that's harassing can realize oh they're ignoring me okay i guess i'll go away yeah. Right. So it just stops it. And, and that's the important. All, all of these methods of the five D's, the whole point is just to interrupt the violence that's happening in the moment, um, because we're not all counselors. Right. Like we're not all going to sit there for hours with someone and let them talk like we, ca we can't do that. We don't have the bandwidth ourselves right now for that. Um, so that it's these small ways that you can help as just a fellow human, a fellow community member. And the fifth D. Um, that I hadn't mentioned yet is actually the delayed method, which is uh, just checking in, right? After an incident is over, um, you just say like, hey, are you okay? And so with my neighbor that was just trying to sit on his porch and smoke a cigarette with this white dude yelling at him, uh, the next day I saw him on his porch and I was just like, hey, sorry about that guy yesterday. He's kind of an idiot. And he, and he just kind of shrugged like, yeah. Like, I think he already forgot about it, um, luckily. But now maybe he knows, like, okay, not every, not every white person in this apartment complex agrees with that guy, right? And I think that can be really important mm -hmm. if, you're, if, you're, if you need an ally, you might know, like, okay, well, that, that person might have my back if something happens, you know? Yeah. So, so, yeah, so checking in is just delayed. Something happens too quickly or you couldn't help in the moment in any other way, and then you just, you just check in and ask are you okay? Are you good? That simple. That is pretty simple. We can all do that, right? That I always when I that. when I train people in safer space tactics, um, I always say, if you forget everything else, please just remember you can always ask someone if they're okay. It's the most important thing you can do because research shows that even a knowing glance towards someone experiencing harassment can lessen the trauma around that event by half. Wow. 
Wow. That's big. It's huge. And so it really doesn't take a ton of effort or even expertise to help someone to help lessen the burden of identity-based harassment in their life. Just just being like, oh, this jerk, right? You know, just making eyes at him like, uh, yep. What a, what a weirdo. This fucking guy. Yeah, right? Like, and, and who doesn't love being, like, bonding over this fucking guy? <laughs> like, yeah. That's a fun moment sometimes, yeah. right? Where you're like, yeah, what the hell? But people... That is, that is my favorite moment of solidarity is uh, <laughs> this fucking guy. People uh, need to know they're not alone, honestly, you know? Guy, guy is gender irrespective yeah. here. In this, this, in this particular guy, situation. Yeah, obviously this... anyone can be harassed and anyone can harass. Yes. And anyone can be this fucking guy. Yeah. Uh, that's really important to remember. I like the way that you um, that you described those techniques, and I think it's it's so it's such a tenuous dance. A lot of these kinds of even the smaller interventions, um, especially when race comes into comes into play, and I think that there is. Um, uh, kind of an existing narrative in our culture with good reason with like a lot of foundation of like white lady calling the cops or white lady like intervening in a yes. in a way that's like really negative and I think that it's like super important especially for those of us who live in spaces spaces like that with people of, of different races from our own to to be mindful of that and, and I would uh, love to hear your, your perspective on that further. Well, I'll tell you my perspective. It's all over my book called Making Spaces Safer. Oh, nice. Uh, okay. <laughs> which is available on akpress.org or from your okay. local bookstore. And we'll put it in the book show notes, drop. too. Yeah. Yes, please. Um, but basically, I wrote this guidebook um, as... Uh, you know, after after years and years of training venues and, and training groups of people in safer spaces and bystander intervention and harassment and our anti-harassment work. Um, but the whole point with this book is that I want to be able to hand it to you and then you read it and you can make any space you inhabit safer, no matter what your role is, no matter if you work there or if you're an attendee or a volunteer or a person walking by, there are tips, like real actionable, do this, do this, then do this, then do this, uh, things for you to do right away to make every space that you're in safer without cops. Mm. It's, it's very important to me for communities to be able to create safer spaces for themselves. Um, especially in a city where we lost Freddie Gray. Mm -hmm. Okay, so like it is so clear, hopefully to every Baltimorean, but really just people all over America, right? The U.S. at least uh, that. Uh, sorry, I just had a moment of like remembering the United States of America is not the only America. <laughs> I've, I've been called out for that, like South American fans being like, yo, what the fuck? I'm oh, oh, so that, sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's so not sorry. the okay. most offensive thing on this podcast for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So USA, a baby. Um, so yeah, it's, it's so important that everyone know that calling the cops is not always going to make a situation better. No. It can make mm. it worse. People distrust police for very good reason. And when you invite people usually men 
in a uniform, wearing bulletproof vests, carrying a gun, uh, it doesn't de-escalate a situation. Right. It is, it is a last resort, and we don't need them sniffing around, planting weed on people. We don't need them killing them. Uh, we don't need to lose any more trans women in our city, any more young black men. Uh, so this is for people to do themselves. This is DIY, safer spaces without authority figures like that. But recognizing that if we don't do it for ourselves, then it won't get done and people will still be left behind and not feel supported or still experience harassment in spaces that we say are cool and progressive and fun for everyone. They're not fun for everyone if we don't talk about this stuff and we don't make Mm. it clear uh, what our policies are and what we can do for people that are having a tough time. I, I love that you created this resource. I cannot wait to check it out. Um, I know that you have to go in a few minutes. I wanted to ask where can people find you and your work? Easiest thing to do is go to shaunapotter.com. And I'll just, I just have everything there. Make it easy, I guess. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, so Shauna with a W the right way yes yeah that's a Potter like harry dot com uh harry potter is is for libs so anyways but uh it's just for spelling i'm tired of people saying porter i know it's a different word for libs and you know what it's it's not christian enough for me so but yeah i do i do trainings online and in real life eventually um, I do consultations. Um, I'll sing back up on your song. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Like, we're all in a tough spot. Um, whatever I can do to, to help people right now um, while I'm not going on tour, I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. So get and, uh, at me with your ideas. Yeah, we would would love to uh, play one of your songs. Um, Please do. To close out the show. Uh, what song would you like us to play? Oh, I don't know. Like, do you want an abortion song? Yeah, let's play do an abortion wanna... song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, I'd say play either Roe v. World or Childbirth. Okay. Hell yeah. Those are, wow. Those are exactly the names that I wanted those songs to be. Uh, and this is the coolest episode. Uh, I'm thrilled. Yay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Thank you for coming on the show, Shauna. Thanks so much.
Thank you so much for listening to Reply, guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Uh, the show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at OJuliaTweets, O-H julia tweets and twitter is where you can also find our reply guys they are always with us bernie take us out as i went walking that ribbon of highway i saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land.